Welcome to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Get ready for the latest veterinary news, information and entertainment. Don't forget to visit us at the Vet Gurus website, vetgurus.com. Now, sit back, relax, it's over to the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Welcome to the Vet Gurus, Brendan here with Mark. Episode 204, Friday, September. Mark, September the 3rd. 2021 and we're a little bit out of our routine here aren't we mark we're recording and turn that off um in case it starts <laughs> looping um, i just remembered that uh, we're recording just in the middle of the day so I'll, I'll tell you about what i've been doing this morning because we've had actually quite a good day here which is a bit of a surprise in melbourne um coming into into spring we are in spring now mark in the southern hemisphere and uh Looking forward to some warmer weather. And it's been a beautiful day here, Mark, and fortunately have a day off um, midweek. And I've been getting back into a little bit of the woodwork, Mark. I've been pottering around trying to do some dowel joints, putting little pegs in, um, little wooden pegs in holes and hiding the joints. Um, And I've just been pottering um, this morning, two or three hours out in the backyard, um, in the sunshine, in the shed. How's your Dell joints going, Brenda? It was quite relaxing. Good. Well, I'm making a little, just a tiny, very basic box, basically. Um, Sophie has a couple of plants. Um, the, the plants keep multiplying, Mark, inside our house. <laughs> and uh, and he's bought a few more plants, and so he's got a couple in her room. So she wants a little stand to put these plants on. So I'm making a little custom-built, really, really, really basic box, but I'm just um, hiding the the joins there um, with some dowels because I thought it'd be something fun to try. And, yeah, that, that I finished up all the dowel joints and um, sort of did a basic dry fit and it seems to all come together. So uh, maybe this afternoon or on the weekend I'll, I'll um, glue it all up and put it all together and then there'll just be the finalising of the – put a bit of um, – um, probably a bit of wax on it. I think I do I, these days. I like the look of the sort of natural waxes. And um, have you got yeah. have you, what what sort of clamps have you got, Brendan? Oh, oh, clamps. Well, for those who do woodworking, it's always you can never have enough clamps. That's the uh, the answer. So you end up buying more and more clamps. So um, just the basic sort of um, mini clamps, um, the instant clamps. I have a one called a um, a oh, what did it? It's one that you can put around a whole sort of box type structure. Um, oh, I've just forgotten the name. A strap clamp sort of thing. Uh, it's yes. called. Um, and then I have a couple of um, ones for longer pieces, which are a little fiddly, but they're, they're um, very effective and they're called pipe clamps. And they basically use sort of plumbing pipe with a little ratchet system on each end. And, um, you know, they're for really long, long pieces, like if you're making a table or something like that, um, which I rarely use those, but yeah. But you can never have enough clamps, it is true. You end up with saying, I just need to put one more clamp on. And when you clamp, and I think you've seen a couple of pictures with some of my woodwork and um, it being clamped, and you have like clamps going every which way, and you end up with about 10 or 15 clamps on one piece of. Of, of work yeah so yeah so i've been enjoying that quite quite a zen day so far mark you did say i was sounding quite relaxed and that's probably why the weather um out just pottering around mind off veterinary work and um 
doing a little bit of woodwork and my plan is after we record mark to maybe um see what sorts of beverages are in the fridge and, and take one of them and i'll go back outside and i'll sit on the little lounger there mark and pretend to listen to another podcast or, or the news or, or read a book or, and probably not off for a little a little um nap um this afternoon so that's my plan mark what have you been up to well, we've been uh, we've just driven from Adavale in Queensland to Quilby, and I've set up the mobile studio, um, the mobile podcast studio, and um, and it's uh, serendipitous, Brendan, because um, on this trip, uh, we've you know I've been doing a lot of bird watching, and today we saw our first flock of budgerigars uh, <sighs> as we head west, and so it sort of leads neatly into some of our news later on. So I'm excited yes. about that. Yes, I'll be very interested in your comments on well, both the new, well, all three news stories actually, Mark. So, um, and one of them we sort of snuck in during our little chat, which we'll talk about in a second. But before we do that, just um, point our listeners to vetgurus.com. Send an email to vetgurus at gmail.com if you want to say hello to us. And we did get some um, some reply marks to. Um, to our comments last week or the week before about should we have any merchandise and we got a very a very strong positive from one especially one of our listeners didn't we i, I think i forwarded it to you saying if we had some merchandise um, especially some hoodies or something like that then they would definitely go out and buy them so maybe we should have a bit of a rethink about whether or not we should have some merchandise and what i might do mark over the next um, week or so is i'll put together a bit of an idea of what what we could put on there. We'd obviously have our little logo, but um, I tend to keep these things a little bit more subtle. We could have a big logo, but um, perhaps a small logo and then a little, a little, um, a little um, grab, a, a little, um, a little verse underneath. And I've got a couple of ideas for that, so I'll send <laughs> you some options with that and um, see see what you think. And if I we do end up. Subtlety and, and the use of witticism. So I'm looking forward to that already. Well, if we do do go down that path, Mark, I think what we'll end up doing is what a lot of people do with these um, sort of merchandise um, items for for small production runs. We just get them sort of outsourced, and we you know we make a couple of dollars only on them. So we just keep them very very cost effective and reasonable and um they um they print on demand i think um these days so yeah um perhaps we may have something soon so look forward to that or not um depending on how we go with that but yeah uh, uh, the news story i wanted to chat about mark geronimo the alpaca and i think i've sent you that um the um the result of that geronimo the alpaca and we've put it on um geronimo recently about um the alpaca that tested positive twice for bovine tuberculosis in the UK was finally euthanized, Mark, um, even though there was a, a big protest outside the farm uh, by animal activists and journalists who have been camping out in the farm 175 kilometres west of London, vowing to stop the killing. Um, the department um, arrived there and with the um, department vets and they took uh, the Geronimo away and they have declared that Geronimo is no longer. So a bit of a sad story, but uh, I mean, it, I think we did talk about it last time, didn't we, Mark, in that it, um, Geronimo did test positive twice in two 
different types of tests and um, they were very certain that um, it was that there was certainly no false positive of it and um, the um, that particular disease is is a worry um, and they are trying to eliminate it in the UK um, any comments or thoughts on this one Mark? well I think you know we we were talking about this when we spoke about Joramo before and we were talking about net good and it upsets me, Brendan, because the thousands of dollars that were spent on um, court cases and the, the emotion and physical effort that people put into protest, I don't know. I, look, everyone has to make their decision about how their resources make the world a better place. I don't know this was the most valuable use of those things to make the world a better place. Um, yeah. I it's it's sad it's i think i can quote the uh spokesperson for the british prime minister and say that um what was it, it, it it's terribly sad situation and our sympathies remain with all those affected by this devastating disease the chief uh, that was what the chief veterinary officer said and um the Prime Minister's spokesman said it was highly distressing for someone to lose an animal and our sympathies are with Mrs McDonald and all those affected by this terrible disease. And I think that's that sums it up. I rarely agree with Boris or any of his henchmen, um, but uh, but it does. They've, it's a balancing act between those affected by bovine TB and um, the owners of animals and they've got to chart their way through hoping to do the best by everyone. Yes, and I think they said 27,000 um, animals were euthanised last year um, in the UK due to the um, outbreaks of that particular disease. Yeah, so, yeah, sad, but um, that um, that story is over, Mark, for now. Poor Geronimo. Um, the next story, Mark, is my, well, my second one, I suppose, and it's... Um, I don't know about this one. I'd like your opinion on this one, Mark. The The title is The Secret Life of the Hunter-Killer Tortoise, and it's about um, a, um, a, gi- a giant tortoise on Seychelles that um, some zoology students were doing a conservation project there, Mark, and they stumbled across, and they have the footage there, I don't know whether you've seen it, of a tortoise, what they said was hunting a bird chick that had fallen out of its nest. Um, and um, the gist of the story is that um, saying that um, perhaps these tortoises aren't just just eating plant material and that they actively hunt other animals, Mark. And I did view that um, footage there, Mark, and I think it was just annoyed at this thing, <laughs> this bird that was um, near it, and um, rather than um, this being a particularly common thing that happens with them um, and I don't don't think it particularly um, um, changes my, my thoughts on what their um, normal normal diet is mark on this so I, I wasn't particularly too pleased with the with the um, reporting in this article what did you think of it I think um, we've had a talk a few times now about um, clickbait how um, editors maybe or how uh, people curating information on the internet look for an angle that might get people to um, to click on it more likely than any other angle and I think that's what's happened here I, I you know that 
I think the footage shows a, uh, a giant Aldabran tortoise, you know, behaving aggressively to another animal on its patch. Um, it, the animal uh, came back, the little uh, turn chick decided not to move away. Um, the Aldabran tortoise did its routine hard snap at it that it would do at any threat. Um, and the, um, the, the resulting dead turn chick remained in its mouth and it just swallowed it. I don't, I didn't interpret that as a, uh, hunter killer. Yes. A tortoise. Well, um, well, the other aspect of this story that I found quite disturbing, Mark, is that, um, this, they, this sort of story or, or this incident was published in, in current biology as a paper and, uh, and as part of that, and I, I'm, I'm assuming this was quoted from the actual paper there. I'll, I'll read this paragraph. But as the bird reached the end of the log and ran out of space, it was faced with a decision. Ignore its hardwired fear of the forest floor, hop off the log and run away from the current threat, or stay on the log and take its chances with the rampaging tortoise. <laughs> Oh, dear. Um, I'll tell you what, if I was the, um, editing um, that paper, um, it, it wouldn't have got very far. <laughs> if that's a direct quote from current biology, it's standing in my scientific esteem has taken a couple of pegs drop. Yes, yes. So I think you've summed it up well, Mark. Um, the clipbait worked and it attracted me to this story, Mark, and um, perhaps I shouldn't have reported on it. What have you got for us? Well, I hinted at it before. It's the um, story that um, the Outback is seeing the biggest bungee event in 10 years. Um, we've, uh, as I said, been travelling around uh, south, mid-south Queensland, western Queensland, and we've spoken to a few people who reported murmurations, Brendan, murmurations, uh, no less. Yes. Um, and uh, this article... Uh, quotes one of my friends, Mark Carter, um, who uh, is at Alice Springs, a famous bird watcher at Alice Springs. Mark Carter has the best of, like I know a fair few, I, I uh, try to learn from a fair few bird watchers. Mark Carter has almost supernatural ability to identify birds by sound alone closes his eyes and listens to calls, can tell you the bird, the gender, and the distance and direction it is in. Uh, I, I find that one of the most amazing things I ever saw. Anyway, Mark reports um, that uh, that there's lots of budgies around so Alice Springs. He closed, so he closed his eyes and said, there's a bucket load of budgies coming. Is that what he said? <laughs> I know, supernatural. Would you, who would have thought? Um, thousands of the brilliant green birds are flocking to Australia's outback. Um, thanks. I don't know that they're actually flocking to the outback as much as breeding at specific locations and building up into large numbers. And there's a number of factors that uh, at the moment at the moment are allowing um, you know particularly huge numbers to develop across the landscape. There was a bit of an event in 2016, but it was relatively localized. Um, so Mark reports things like rain at the perfect time of year. Um, breeding up in a, over a very wide area of Australia, and then um, uh, particularly grass seed production in ungrazed parts of central Australia. So um, the, the demand for cattle has meant that many areas of central Australia have been destocked to provide 
animals, you know, in in the coast. Uh, and so cattle have been moving off those pastures, um, and as a consequence, grass that was consumed before it could be seed uh, could produce seed in previous seasons has been allowed to go to seed. And so, as a consequence, the huge amount of grass seed out there has uh, has further fueled the massive explosion in population. Yes, and it, I've only seen some small flocks of budgies, but they are magnificent, aren't, aren't they, when you see see them um, swooping and murmuring, Mark, and moving around there. Um, yes, um, I think the only place you see more budgies is on Bondi Beach. Is that correct, Mark? <laughs> well, actually, I, I, at the moment, I, I you won't see you any, were you? No, no, I think they're still there. Oh, okay, <laughs> With the lockdowns, yes. So, um, and for our overseas listeners, bud, look up budgie smugglers, and I know we've mentioned them previously. Yes, so um, it's good to see lots of budgies out there in their natural habitat, Mark, um, rather than stuck in a little cage. Um, that's the other thing I like about this particular news story. Um, yes. They are free and doing what budgies should do. Yes. Good. Well, I think, well, that's two news stories, Mark, um, short and sweet, um, or reasonably sweet and short. And I think we, our main topic, Mark, and I did um, put out a, a little post on it on our Facebook site and our Twitter account, um, at VetGurus, for those of you who didn't realise we had a Twitter account, which we post, I think, at least once a week, um, that we're going to talk about a very controversial topic to some people and that is what plants can rabbits eat or what plants are toxic to rabbits that rabbits shouldn't be eating and i think you and i are on a fairly similar line with this one, for some reason there um and gee if you do a dr google and you type in toxic plants and rabbits mark um you'll get a lot of um, web pages, a lot and a lot and uh, many, 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 many that will have lists of toxic and potential toxic plants to budgery cars. Sorry, to, to, <laughs> rabbits. Got on my mind, to <laughs> rabbits. And yet you look through those lists and they're not the same, Mark. There's lots of different plants on different lists and some lists will say one particular plant is toxic and another list will say that particular plant is not toxic. So what is going on, Mark, and what is happening with rabbits and toxic plants? Well, I, this this started for me when I did a little bit of a reflection and tried to have a look at the actual cases. I'd been asked a couple of times um, from one of the emergency centres, uh, gotten a couple of calls saying, oh, look, someone's phoned and said their rabbit's eaten this. Um in discussion with them and then looking back over my own records, I came to the conclusion that there are very, very few cases that I've had uh, experience with where rabbits have suffered a toxicity. In fact, I only came up with a single case of uh, a rabbit that had chewed on a, a copper-treated log um, and then showed the classic signs of copper toxicosis. But outside of that... Um, there's, uh, I think you had one particular specific toxicosis, um, but yeah. I can't. I can't think of any cases where I've had rabbits eat things and suffer a toxicity. There are other aspects to them ingesting unusual plant material, 
but I don't think they fit into the category of toxicities, Brendan. Yes, well, the toxicity that I saw or witnessed um, was it was um, two very young rabbits um, from the same litter, and they were probably only about six or eight weeks of age, and they were found comatose basically at the base of an avocado tree in the backyard um, with a half-eaten avocado next to them. So we assumed it was avocado toxicity. Um, so that's the only toxicity I've seen. One of We just gave them supportive care. One of them died and one survived, and that's the only one that I've confirmed um, of a particular you know, plant or fruit toxicity um, in rabbits and um yeah I'm, I'm similar to you in that what i generally say to clients is um rabbits are very good at eating all sorts of plants that are toxic to other species and the classic one there is all the plants that have oxalates in there which um you know might kill over a, a cow for instance um the rabbit could eat that all day long um and not have any issues with it so I'm pretty relaxed about what rabbits do um, happen to get into um, and chomp on. And like you, um, I think it's a lot r rarer than people think. Um, and a lot of these lists, I think, Mark, are just extrapolated from the other species that we know um, do these plants do cause toxicity in um, or to or are poisonous to those species. Um, and they've just cut and pasted them to, to rabbits. Um, so... Yeah, um, that's my that's my take on it, Mark. Um, we might get a bit of backlash on that. I don't know, um, but I think you're of a fairly similar mind with it. And I'm just looking at one of the one of the lists here, Mark, and it's got everything from it's in alphabetical, and it's saying there's many many um, um, plants that are toxic to rabbits, starting with you know aloe vera. At a scrolling down to it's a very very long list. Um, Chinese tea plant. I'm only up to Daphne, foxglove. You know, um, uh, lupins. <laughs> um, it just keeps going. Rhododendron, um, tomato. Oh, tomato. There you go. Did you know tomato was toxic to rabbits? Um, and the yesterday, today, tomorrow plant. Do you know that plant, Mark? I do indeed. It's a, a common plant in gardens in Newcastle and um, toxic, definitely toxic to dogs. Yeah. So Brufelsia and um, Yarrow and Yellow Iris. So, yeah. What do I say to my clients um, to to sort of cover my basis? I suppose I, I say cover them, your CYA. Cover my yes. Um, I say to them, look, um, let your rabbit eat any any sort of um, ground covering that's sort of um, weedy type ground covering, um, grasses of any kind, um, and steer clear of any sort of ornamental um, potted plants. Um, is 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 what I tend to say in case we're we're dealing with some of those sort of weird and wonderful species there. So it's sort of gone against what I just said as a general comment that I don't think there's many, many plants that are toxic, but that's sort of my, my general spiel to clients. What do you tell your clients, Mark? Funnily enough, almost identical. And I think the interesting thing for me about those ornamental garden plants, the lilies, the the um, you know, azaleas, rhododendrons, uh, hydrangeas, that rabbits are really not partial to them. That 
I, you know, I don't hear long stories of rabbits breaking into um, the garden and consuming all the the rhododendrons. I think not only are they pretty good at dealing with those sort of oxalate type plants, but I think they've got generally good sense to not have a chew at a lily. I'm almost always CYA by saying to the client, anything that's a potted plant inside that's an ornamental garden plant, avoid those. But anything that's a, uh, you know, a herbaceous weed, any um, milk thistles, any um, uh, dandelions, those sorts of things, perfectly fine for let, to let the rabbit have a crack at them. Yes. And I, and I think this is one of the sort of common themes, isn't it, with unusual pets and, and clients getting confused about all the information that's out there. Um, and I suppose that's why we're there, isn't it, that we can hopefully provide a little bit of a little bit of um, wisdom sometimes um, and practical advice about what's right and what's wrong and, and what you can see on Dr. Google doesn't necessarily um, um, mean it's true if you see something on the internet there, Mark. So I'd be very interested if any of our listeners um, have seen rabbits with plant toxicities that have been confirmed, if you can send us an email at vetgurus at gmail.com. And if you do have a case, we'll report it and we'll eat humble pie, won't we, Mark? Um, we're, we're not afraid of saying we're wrong. We're wrong virtually every day of our lives. Well, I am. I don't know about you. Um, so I'd, I'd like to get some feedback on this particular topic, Mark, um, with them. And I've I think... Got, I've, the, got a, I've got... A, when you're ready, I've got a question for you. Yes. Well, it just reminded me of one, one other comment that you sort of um, stressed at one stage that I always take to my clients now, Mark. Um, we, we talk about the hay and veggie diet worldwide as being the ideal diet for rabbits. And, and, and I agree with what you say. It should be the grass and veggie diet um, is what we should be feeding our rabbits. Um, the reason why we say hay and veggie is the convenience factor of that sort of packaged hay and that um, natural um, diet of, of, of freshly cut or gra grazing out there in the yard um, or picking those um, weeds and, and grasses and offering them fresh to the rabbits is in preference to feeding that dried grass material which is called hay so um, I'm, I'm constantly mentioning that to my clients Mark now, what's the, what's the question? I'll try my best to answer it. <laughs> I've got two. I've got two. I know that um, that one of the uh, one of the general principles that I follow is that um, providing them with choice. So, say I went out and grabbed a whole bunch of plants, and there was one in there that was um, that potentially could put them a bit off. Um, that they're very good at choosing when they have choice. If if I just grabbed a handful of you know something that was dangerous. And a lot of these things might be dangerous at particular times in their growth cycle. If I plonk that in um, and they've got no choice, they might well have a go at it. And if it contains enough of a dangerous uh, element, then then they could be in trouble. So choice is an important yes. thing. You, do you suggest that? Yes, yes, so absolutely. My other, my other question was how many of these, I think a lot of these cases of toxicity uh, actually uh, change induced, dietary change induced uh, gastrointestinal stasis cases that um, the different texture, the different chemicals, the different bugs associated with digesting different plants 
can in susceptible uh, house bunnies, um, they can definitely lead to, uh, um, that change can definitely lead to uh, gastrointestinal trouble. It's not technically a toxicity, um, but a, you know, a colicky sort of arrangement, much like horses that have dietary changes. Yes, well, I agree. And I think it's the same as what we do with any changing of any diet, isn't it? Even with dogs and cats and pup puppies, for instance, that are on a crappy diet, when we first see them for that first vaccination and health check, we're not swapping them over to a, a more complete or, or, or better um, dry food, for instance, um, on, on the first day. We slowly transition those animals over several days or a week or two and, and we recommend the same with our unusual pets as well, don't we? If, we, if we're going to recommend a, a more varied diet than some crappy rabbit mix that they've been feeding 90% of the diet um, to that rabbit. 100%. Exactly, exactly what I think. Well, there we go. That's the answer. Are plants toxic to rabbits? Perhaps, maybe. Um, who knows? We'll get some emails from people soon, hopefully, with a list of um, ones that they've seen. Um, but with that, we're out of here. We'll talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus. Don't forget to visit us at the website, vetgurus.com, where you can subscribe, view show notes, listen to previous episodes and more. You can contact us via email at vetgurus at gmail.com to ask a question or just say hi. Thanks again and see you next time.